0: Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. I have a very good friend who, whenever the topic of faith comes up, you'll laugh and he'll always chide me and he'll say, John, thank you for trying to bring order to the random and chaotic nature of the universe. Those are his words. Thank you for trying to bring order to the random and chaotic nature of the universe. And then he laughs. And I love this guy. And I know he loves me. But is that a thing, really? Is, is that the best you got, the random and chaotic nature of the universe? Reverend Josh Brown is with us again. He is a regular guest on our show. He's the senior pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Hey, Josh, how are things?
1: John, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Okay, so the random and chaotic nature of the universe, um, that sort of flies in the face of God's providence, does it not?
1: It does. And those are... I mean there are variations of those two options but uh those, those are really the ways that you can look at what's happening just in life and in the world around you it is either all just entire happenstance and and there's no rhyme or reason to anything or there is some kind of purpose or intention that is there now just because you've made just because you may land on that spot doesn't mean you've gotten quite to a, a biblical view of god but yeah you've got to you've got to have some way of saying well, what is happening and why
0: yeah what is happening and why? okay, so uh biblically take us someplace that sort of shows us you know th- despite the despair in this world, there's always good hope
1: yeah I'm um, biblically the place that I think shows it uh, as well as any place is in the minor prophet in the book Habakkuk and it's uh, a book that maybe not uh, people not many people are as familiar with it as they should be uh, it's it's one of the twelve minor prophets you get right there at the end. It's a very short book, just three chapters. Um, but it's a very fascinating one, and uh, to to kind of quickly summarize the book, it begins with the prophet uh, saying saying to God, "Things are awful around me. I see injustice and wickedness everywhere. I see violence, and and if what what is going on? If you are God, why are things this way?" And it takes a Surprising move, because the first thing God responds to him is by saying, well, it's actually about to get worse. (laughs) Let me tell you about the Babylonians. (laughs) (laughs) And and so he says, they're going to come in and and make things even worse for people. And Habakkuk again responds, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get this. And then God says, I'm doing something that you, you wouldn't understand, even if I told you, even if I tried to explain it to you and told you, you wouldn't be able to understand it. But I want you to remember who I am. And there's a conversation that happens. Again, it's not a terribly long book. But but in that, it moves from Habakkuk at the beginning saying, everything is terrible. The world is falling apart. My life is falling apart. I don't understand this. If you are God, why are things this way? That's where it begins. And at the end of it, uh, it has a very powerful closing. Uh, At the end of chapter 3 is where he says, though the fig tree, this is chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And that kind of poetic imagery might not resonate as much with us, but for an agrarian society, if if there were no crops that year, that was Deadly. If there were no figs on the trees, if there were no vines that were growing, if there were no herds that were there, um, that 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 is what you had. That's what you needed to survive. And he's saying, even if none of those things are here, in other words, even if my life is over, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And and you you can read that and say, how did he get there?
0: How did he get there? I mean, so we can't, you know, we are not agrarian here in uh, the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and for the most part, you would think that our, our lives, I mean, there have been, you know, a few major calamities, the pandemic notwithstanding. But, you know, we're not facing major wars or economic collapse. But in everyone's life, Josh, right, there is loss and sorrow and despair. There is separation from God. And, of course, you know, self-loathing and all that goes with it, right? So life is still hard. So we can understand those those feelings.
1: We can. They certainly resonate. And, and yeah, his, his feelings throughout that book, even if the context is very different from ours, the feelings are incredibly identifiable. We, we recognize those immediately. You're right. And and you could maybe, if you wanted to, you know, paraphrase or update some of that, he could be saying, hey, even if the stock market, like you said, even if the stock market crashes and there's a pandemic, if there's war, if there's some disease that hits close to home, even if those things happen, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord and take joy in the God of my salvation. And you could you could think that there's a few reasons why somebody might do that. One is maybe they're just blissfully naive. You know, somebody can, we could level that credit, criticism against him and say that's just that's just wishful naive thinking. Uh, or you could say, no, maybe Habakkuk had a deep understanding of who God is, of God's faithfulness to His promises, of God's faithfulness to his purposes and that though we may not see them played out in the way that we might expect or we might not even see all of it right now God's goodness will be shown in the end that is beyond any question or beyond any dispute and if you understand that and if you know what God has done for you in Christ and how Paul can say at the end of Romans 8 there's not anything that can possibly separate you from the love of God in Christ if you know those things then you can say okay I know what is ultimately true even if everything around me is falling apart. Yeah.
0: Uh, so again Josh, right we're not tested right there, there may be p- people who are listening right now who say what's this guy talking about? My kids at you know UPMC Children's and he's got cancer. And h- yeah. how how is God fair with that? Where is, you know, the providence and nature of God when I'm suffering and my kids going to die?
1: Yeah, and those are very fair questions, and uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes so, – so there are believers who have a good understanding of God's goodness and his purposes and his plan, and I think they can be very – they can have well and good intentions, but sometimes it can be a little flippant to say to people in those moments, <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. God has a plan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as theologically true as that may be, that's not the best thing to say in those moments. Uh, because it does sound a little, it, it can sound a little bit calloused, but if you're able to spend time with somebody and and go through the hard times with them and, as Paul says, weep with them when they weep and acknowledge, yes, this is really difficult, but there is something that has been promised us that transcends these things and that does lie in store for us on the far side of suffering, um, then, then you can start to see why this can be a, a doctrine of hope, certainly more so than just everything is happenstance and the the random chaotic nature of the universe right. or however your friend phrased. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's what led, you know, j- just I mean, for example, John Calvin once famously said that if you, if you know of God's providence, that's, that's the chief blessing. And if you are ignorant of that, that's one of the chief curses you can experience. Mm. Meaning if you think everything is just entirely random and there's no, there's, there's no good God behind things, then of course you're going to fall into despair. Um, any, but it doesn't mean that the hard things go away. It doesn't mean that. Right.
0: So how then do you capture and and hold tight to the providence of God?
1: Um, we I know we've talked about this on, on the show here together before, but one of the places I think you can see this is Psalm 77, where... The psalmist, uh, Asaph, wrote that one, and, and at the beginning he cries out and says, God, I don't, I'm do not i not even sure if you're good. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't even know if you're still here. And then he very intentionally says, you know what, I'm going to remember what I know to be true about God. And he goes on to describe the exodus, the parting of the Red Sea and the exodus out of Egypt, which he was not there for personally. He's remembering God's saving actions in history. Uh, and I think what that looks like for us on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection is if we say, God, I don't know what's going on, I don't know why this is hard, but let me, let me remember how your love was displayed to me in Jesus. What it meant to know that he lived for me, that he died for me, that he lives now for me, that you fulfilled all of those promises in Jesus. Let me remember that, and that can let me know that even in the dark moments now, uh, you are here, you are good, you are God. And you are working these things together for good, ultimately. Even if right now I don't see that, hmm.
0: that's so good. Just we do ourselves a disservice, right? I mean, because uh, as believers, some people are caught up in controversies of you know uh, Bud Light and Target. And, you know, that's their world. And we miss sort of the the greater glory of God's providence. I mean, it's easy to get distracted, but it feels as though, especially in this day and age, we sort of border on the ridiculousness and forget the eternal.
1: Uh, Yes, we can do that quite easily. And this idea of God's providence... uh applies itself to all areas of life, not just not just the suffering times, the good times. Also, it reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes to us from above, as James says. So when the good things happen, it reminds us that. When we see things uh, that are causing us distress around us, or when, we, or when we think, I can't, I don't, why is the world going this way? What is happening in the world? Uh, it can, again, remind us, okay, I, d- I don't know these things. I don't understand these things. Um, but God is, God is not, uh, an absent, and uh, like kind of like an absentee landlord or something like that. Mm-hmm. He, he is here. He is doing, he is accomplishing something. Um, this is what he has said he will do and he will accomplish those things. So in those moments where we say, all right, I'm getting, I'm getting myself, uh, all worked up or all bent out of shape of some of these things. It, it gives us, I think, a balance where we can say, no, these, some of these things, some of these things matter. And, and some of these things are important to really engage in and, and to, um, uh, to invest in and, and to be active in. But we've also got to remember that I, I, I am not the one who's got my hands at the wheel of history. <laughs> so <laughs> so, no matter, so no matter how much I throw myself into this thing, um, God's purposes are going to unfold here. But that also means we don't just sit back and do nothing. Um, it gives us, I think, a confidence to engage in the world in the way that God has called us to, while also reminding us that we are not ultimately responsible for the destiny
0: mm, of the world. That's good. So we should do something to further the the glory of God's kingdom, right? You sure, just, you, of course. I mean, you don't want to like, yeah, okay, just like the news things of the day, I don't necessarily need to go picket or boycott. I don't want to stick my head in the sand. I do know God's providence. But I, I should speak in some way.
1: Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it avoids it, or it should enable us to avoid uh, some of those extremes, right? So he, another passage where I think you see some of these contours mapped out, uh, when Paul was writing to Titus, uh, for example, and Titus was one of the young leaders that Paul had mentored. He is planting a church in Crete. Paul is writing to give him advice. Uh, he says in chapter 2, he says that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So one good little reminder of the gospel there. He says that trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So that's saying there is a way that you should live in this world. Right after that, he says, we are because we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, there's a lot in there. But the reason I read that whole thing is that you hear him say a couple things in there. He says, remember what God has done for you in Jesus. Now, that means that you wait patiently for Jesus appearance. But it also means that you're zealous for good works. So it's both of those things. It's a It's a willingness to engage in the things that God has called us to do, to renounce ungodliness, to pursue good works, but also to rest and wait for what it is that Jesus will do when he returns. So it's 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 both of those things Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, which can be a hard balance to maintain. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) That's just the nature of living a life of Christian life, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Josh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining
1: us. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon.
0: You as well. Pastor Josh Brown, Bellfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh, God's providence in our lives. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment. And tell a friend to subscribe today. Let's see, you've applied for our open position for account representative? Yeah, that's the one. Great. I see you went to UC Berkeley? It was really awesome. We had several sit-ins to protest oppressive capitalism. Oh, and uh, how about your skills for this position? Oh, yes. I know all about how to spot microaggressions and root out privilege. Uh, we don't really do that here. We do accounting and finance consulting. Do you have any safe spaces?
1: Safe spaces?
0: Yes, where people can go to get away from the colonialist mentality. As long as there's a diversity, equity, and inclusion policy, we'll be fine. (sighs) Life's too short to waste your time on bad hires. I'm Andrew Krapischetz, the CEO and founder of RedBalloon.Work. Every week, tens of thousands of reliable, career-minded job seekers visit RedBalloon.Work without all that woke nonsense. Post your open jobs at RedBalloon.Work. And if you put in promo code SALEM, you'll receive 10% off your first month's job postings.